right, everybody, welcome back to week two of the Boys Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Sloan Schaefer. This Hello. is Joshua Schaefer. Hello, Sloan. Welcome back to another week. We've got a jam-packed agenda for you. We'll even have a guest speaker on this week. Mike Wood will be joining us later to discuss his team as well as Injury Gate. Uh, we're basically Mike cheated earlier this week, but don't want to play any spoilers. So we'll go ahead and jump into this week's agenda. That's just Sloan and I chatting. First, we're going to take a look at the prior week's results, key takeaways. Sloan, what was your takeaway from week 10? My takeaway was that trusting in the process finally is working out for me. Even when my quarter or my tight end scores zero and one of my quarterbacks scores less than four. Um, and I mean, I think it also shows that where did Colin finish? He finished eighth. So I don't know. It's very weird. I felt really good with how uh, my team performed. I was a little bummed. I didn't get first or second because the uh, scorings were so close together, uh, one through three. Um, but, you know, fantasy football, and that's how it is. So takeaway is just another week, and I'm happy that my team is finally uh, performing up to the caliber that they're supposed to be performing at. What about you? You know, you did have a nice week this week. I feel like you got to be proud of your performance. I mean, you know, finally coming around to doing something – you know, substantial in a week versus all of your prior blunders. I would like to note the similarities again between your and my team this week. Last week, we had only neither, neither of our, both of our QBs had the only touchdowns on our team. This week, both of our tight ends had zero. And we each had a QB with a sub five point performance, which is pretty crazy. And the week worked out for both of us. I mean, I was in a panic state last night. Uh, as Matt Gay was about to only put up one point, um, and I was going to lose to Dylan and Tommy by one point each, and I ended up turning it around, so that's great. That's hilarious. It was nice to see Colin's team fail. Um, right. Fucking Naheem Hines finally, finally putting up the numbers we expected to see from him last week, a 3.9. Daryl Henderson putting up six. Colin's team looks as beatable as ever. Russ His quarterbacks Lincoln, let him down. Jeez. He won't have Cup next week. I mean, come playoff time, I mean, his team has peaked thus far. Like, it's absolutely peaked. Debo and Cup could not have played better than they played up to this point in the season. His running back situation is looking grim. I think there's a chance, like, you know, I'm just trying to shoot for the playoffs, and I think – a lot of teams that were shooting for the playoffs this week had good week. Tommy was fine considering what he was missing. Austin's mm-hmm. team had a great week again. Um, you know, I like to see Ongood have a slightly worse week, so then it evens everything up. I just can say I'm shocked at how close it is after this many weeks. I mean, Colin and Brian kind of bottom and top locked, but everything else is super close. Yeah, I think when you look at Colin's team, if you're starting two tight ends – you're you know you're in a weird situation and two very good tight ends but if you don't have two solid players that you can put in your flex spots and you have to throw a tight end because tight ends are so touchdown dependent and it's just I don't know he has such a weird team and the fact that he's done so well up to this point I think is not representative of how good his team is I mean he has two players on the Rams with Henderson and Cup who've been doing a lot of work this season, especially with Wilson being out. Herbert's kind of taken a downfall. Um, so I I don't know. I think Colin's team is, yeah, very vulnerable come playoffs, like you were saying. Um, but just low scores all around from everybody. Honestly, Austin, me and Mike, kind of the top three. And then outside of that, it was all pretty close. It is interesting how it separates into little bunches almost. Like I feel like most weeks we have that where it's like really there's a a certain point where the scores just really jump apart. And I really want to turn this podcast into a Colin hate session um, because I'm just tired tired of seeing his team do so well. I want to note that another team in our league also started two tight ends this week, and that was Michael Wood with Dan Arnold and Noah Fan, who put up more combined points than – Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey. So yep. personally just glad to see, you know, things come around and 
settle out to where they should. Sucks that he's already locked into the playoffs, but, you know, it is what it is. Well, I think if you finish in spots two through four, you should be pretty, you know, pretty optimistic about not having to go through a powerful one seed because I don't think Colin is – I think he will get the one seed just because, you know, how far ahead he is with the points. Um, But I don't think he's going to be as tough as his whole season has, you know, shown him to be. So, you know, it's going to get exciting with the last uh, three weeks we got coming up. Yeah, I'm ready for it. I've already decided if, like, heading into the last two weeks, I have no chance. I'm Mm -hmm. just full on tanking. I'm going as hard as I can. So it's going to be great. Like, I'm not even – if I'm on the edge, I might even just go for the full tank. Yeah. That's the best part about having your pick is you can just really commit to it. Yeah. Were there any, like, uh, just outstanding players this week uh, in terms of actual football players that were kind of surprising? I thought the uh, Daryl Williams putting up 24 was, you know, sort of an outlier. Um, did you notice any? looking at last week's scores? You know, I just think the Chiefs offense in general, I mean, of the top, you know, we do top six positions, I think Mm -hmm. is what the weekly report has. I noticed that as well, yeah. We're Chiefs players, which is, like, pretty crazy. Which is, yeah, it's crazy, especially looking at the record. I mean, I guess Kansas City's getting everything turned around now, but, yeah, Daryl Williams, very surprised to see that. Yeah, I agree. The only other thing I was hyped about Daryl Williams. The reason I'm actually still in the playoffs this week was because of him. I mean, Mike's Brian Edwards was nice. Um, you know, 16 points touchdown. That's a good play. He didn't start him this week because why would you? But mm. that was good. Other than that, you know, we saw Pat Mahomes go off, but I think that's to be expected almost at this point. So. Yeah. I, th- I think making note of Stefan Diggs doing well, like really well this week is something uh you know he's kind of you know he was an okay receiver but where I mean where did he get he got drafted third round eighth pick you know you expected him to do a little more than he had been doing so it's you know good for Austin to see that uh Diggs is uh turning it around definitely agree I would like to also point out that McCaffrey had a great week with no touchdowns 21.1 points no touchdowns uh this is what I expected from your team yeah Yep. It's just consistent points without touchdowns. This is what I wanted to see. Yeah, there was somebody on my team that I was looking at. I think it was Ramondre on my bench. He's something. He got 20 rushing attempts, five targets in the receiving game. That 25, you know, touches. That's insane for him. And, you know, getting 25.4 points, two touchdowns. Uh, I, you love to see it when your uh, investments start uh, showing up. Yeah, definitely agree. Any other thoughts on this week's results? Uh, no, not really. I'm happy with where I am and, uh, you know, kind of mixed up the points a little bit in terms of overall standings. Yeah. Weird that I only finished one point less than you this week. That's probably – that's pretty wild to think about. I feel like I was miles away from you. Right. But Okay. Awesome. All right. Um, can we just like have a quick hiatus and decide if we do we want to just talk with Mike now? Well, what, who uh, did the trade involve? Uh, the trade involved Michael. Well, I say we start talking about it. Mike, are you there? Dialing into right, a call. Good. Um, you want to go over the trade real quick? Just the, the yeah, players. Yeah, I'll go through the trade. Yes. Uh, wait, no, Mike wasn't involved in the trade this oh, week. Oh, it was Matt. Last week, it, it was, was Matt and Brian. Brian. That's yes, what it was. one trade this week. Cordero yeah. Patterson. He did not do well this past week. This is why I would have never traded for Cordero. Um, exactly. Brian was texting me about it, trying to saying that I tanked his value on the pod last week by saying he shouldn't <laughs> go for more than a second. But the, this is the problem with the old player who you don't trust is they have one week like this. And now he's sitting on Matt's bench because you're like, can I trust this guy going forward? After one bad week, you're, you start debating it in your head. You can't really ride the Cordero train 
you know, you can't afford four point weeks when you're Matt and you know, you got it. You should be gunning for the contention this year. Cordero has no value past this season because he is on a one-year contract right now. You have no clue. Like he might not even be in the league next season because teams might think he's too old and they don't want him. I think he found, I, I think him as a player is sort of a unicorn with Atlanta with how much he's being utilized. I don't think any other team would utilize him as well as Atlanta's uh, doing right now. So, I mean, I think what you're saying about his value is accurate and you know, I don't, I don't know how Matt feels. What do you think about the trade though? Gaskin and a second rounder and Matt's second rounder is looking like it's going to be a very good second rounder. Like an early. I would love to be Brian right now. You get a young running back and a second round for really just a one-year guy who's, who I'm not trusting. That's why I didn't want him. I did not like him at all. I felt like I had more, in my mind, consistent players that I could play over Cordero. So I think Brian got a better deal. I think really the only player that made sense to trade for uh, to trade for Cordero was Colin. Colin was locked into the playoffs. His running back situation is garbage. You know, a lot of uncertainty there. Like, everybody else that could have traded for Cordero, like, there's six teams right now that are sitting on the edge of the playoffs. So giving up a pick, and if it doesn't work out, right, then that can be a really early pick. So I was surprised to see Matt give up that much. I told Brian, if you get a second, you should be very happy. So, you know, I offered a second for Gaskin earlier this year, and that got turned down. So, you know, two seconds for Cordero, essentially, is pretty wild. I think Brian got such a good deal out of that, especially with what he's trying to do with his team. You know, he's tanking basically this season and trying to build assets that are going to pay off in the future. And Cordero is not somebody that he's, you know, going to value or going to get value from uh, this season to next. Yeah, I agree. Bad trade for Matt. Great for Brian. All right. Any other thoughts on that trade, Tim? Sorry. I thought we were about to go into an ad read. <laughs> um, no, I, I think <laughs> I, I was a little surprised. I'm going to Arby's. I was a little surprised we didn't see more trades. I was talking to Dylan trying to get Jimmy G, but couldn't get it done. We didn't have we didn't, in that trade. I I told him golf straight up. It's it's I, fine. Yeah, I because I think Goff has at least two or three more years left on his contract with Detroit, and I just I don't want any any player on Detroit right now. So I would much rather had a what three four year older quarterback and Garoppolo and you know someone better. And I don't know my quarterback situation is bad. It's but bad. I, yeah, I got to get it figured out. Yeah, I tried to go for Tyreek. Tried, yep. but you just can't value a pick, which whatever, that is what there's, it is. There's no reason to trade him. When were you, were you talking to me before the Sunday night game, or was it after? I was talking to you before and after, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, he put up 23, so. Yeah. I texted you afterwards one time, and you did not respond to me, and I was kind of like, yeah, I figured. Yeah, sometimes um, I won't reply to you, Josh. Sometimes it just gets too much, and I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I can't think about this right now. Like, I just – yeah, I'm not near my There's, computer. I can't get on keep trade cut and you know see how screwed I'm getting. So, yeah, there's many people that are like you. Austin did the same thing. I was trying to trade for Saquon, uh, and that did not go well either. So. Yeah, you're getting a bad reputation in the league, Josh. Yeah, people are just starting to realize how annoying I am when it comes to <laughs> trade. So, I am a little worried for myself. I think this might have a negative impact. At least I'll have a guaranteed six weeks of like downtime of not having to deal with me that is that is good for everybody I think did you say last week if any players hadn't made a trade was it Dylan yes Dylan is the only team I think to not have traded at this point in the season that's crazy yeah his team is good though so I hate that it's good because I want him to trade but he really has no reason to I mean he's in sixth I don't know how good it is when you're middle of the pack but he has Dobbins, Etienne, and Deshaun Watson. 
who could all come back and play. I mean, Dobbins and Etienne for point. sure will come back next year. So very good point. Yeah. Tough trade deadline. Not much happened. Yeah. It's kind of boring. I wanted more, but they, we've had a lot of trades this year, so it's hard to really complain. Yeah, I think people might have gotten a little too tired and didn't care too much about the trade deadline. So. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts on trade deadline, son? No, I think I'm good with that. I think we should go ahead and bring Mike in. Let's bring him in. Mike, are you there? Sick, dude. Mike, why are you just lurking in our call but not ready to come on when we invite you to talk? All right. Do we just well, keep going? Yeah, let's keep going. I don't want you to have to edit this audio for like <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it to be yeah. like some big thing. Can oh. you even cut it on Audacity? Can oh, you like yeah. cut no, I do. pull out and stuff? Yeah, dude, I had to cut out your beginning uh something at the beginning last week. So yeah. I, I can get it figured out regardless. I don't know. I like the raw uncut podcast. I think that's what people yeah. are looking for nowadays. Unproduced. Yeah, I want to see us just waiting for Mike. Mike, are you there? Nope. Oh, my gosh. He's as bad as Tommy with this technology stuff. Well, let's just keep going, Sloan. Let's play okay. on. Mike's just in the car. He's not doing anything. Yeah, exactly. We won't need that much time. We can go into our uh, max our max points analysis. This is, uh, you know, Mike sends out the spreadsheet every week. I'm sure we all study it hard to understand where we're at on the team. But I think it'd be fun to kind of go into the spreadsheet, look at the max points, compare it to the actuals. Personally, I think this is truly a measure of how good you are as a manager. And I think there's some interesting things to analyze here. Have you had a chance to look at it, Tom? So the max points, what is this projected points? So what the max points is, if you go to the max points tab on my spreadsheet, um, what it represents is if you had set the perfect lineup and basically if uh, everybody had set the perfect lineup, how many points would you have scored that week? Um, so, you know, I like to think of it as a measure of you as a manager, right? Like if you're, if your actual points are above the number on this max points tab, you know, likely that means that, you know, you're an above average manager, right? Because you are, getting more out of your team than you would be expected to if everybody was getting the most mm -hmm. out of their team. Um, and actually there's some pretty interesting takeaways from this. I'll, I'll uh, jump out on my first one here. So Sloan, your max points 56, which would have you in fourth place overall. Your actual points 48. So you are minus eight points from where your maximum lineup would be. Um, I'm not going to say that you're weeks. over the course of 10 weeks. I'm not going to say you're a bad manager because I don't think that's the big takeaway. I really thought you're setting that up to say that I was doing a good job. Now I'm really sad. <laughs> eight point difference. Sounds like, you know, pretty good to me. Well, you're minus eight, not plus eight. <laughs> so your I max mean, is 56, actual 48. So you're, you have the second worst differential behind Dylan. So Dylan is the worst at his would be 63 would be his max and he's at 53. And then yours is uh, 56 and 48. Any thoughts on your, you know, on Dylan, on you, on your difference between your max and your actual, any, any things you feel like contribute to this? I think it's tough because at the beginning of the season, you don't know who's actually going to perform. And at least what I've noticed with a lot of the managers in our league, once you have, once you see that a guy is producing, you leave him there. So then you're fine. You know, that guy's going to produce. Whereas I was in the bad situation of, you know, being in the bottom of the table early on. So I'm swapping out guys each week to try to figure out who's actually going to produce that week. So it is more difficult when you don't have players who are, you know, locks in your starting lineup and I don't think I had a lot of those guys at the beginning of the season um so I mean yeah it's just difficult I think if 
if you look at the teams that started out poorly at the beginning of the season, it's going to be a lot more difficult for them to get their max points because you have to change your lineup because you're falling behind in the standings. Yeah. I like that analysis. Yeah. Cause you start questioning, who am I going to start? Do I need to do this deep cut, you know, Brandon Ayuk in week four mm-hmm. because things are looking so bad right now. Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, you know, the teams with, there's four teams with a negative differential. It's you, it's Brian, it's Dylan, and it's Angad. And Angad is the only playoff team out of that bunch. And, you know, Angad has had lock starters really just up until the last few weeks with uh, Calvin Ridley, you know, with some of his other trades, Mike Thomas. Mm -hmm. Like, things are, you know, things are less predictable. He's starting Hunter Renfro now consistently. So, when you have less locked starters, I think it gets a lot harder too. Cause then you really have to think about like, what matchup am I going to play? Oh yeah. I, I just think my team's a good example of that. Especially with quarterback. I think I have cousins who's always yeah. going to play, but like Baker's always hurt. You know, do I try to pick up uh, some other quarterback on waivers who's backing up an injured star? I don't know. It's, it's, it gets more difficult, but I think my team is, is much better now with players that I am really, you know, my hands are tied that I have to start them every week. I think at almost every position except for quarterback. Um, Yeah. So I think you'll see my, you know, max points differential slowly get smaller and smaller over the next three weeks. Well, I hope so, Sloan. I would love to see you bringing home that $25 as the winner of the, consolation bracket i definitely think i'll win the consolation bracket if i don't make the playoff i think you're a lock i wish we could gamble on you i was gonna say to win consolation bracket. we need somebody to make some get some gambling odds going for the playoffs that would be kind of fun yeah that may be a good segment uh like playoff odds Mm -hmm. let people put money on them oh yeah we'll do that i like it for sure all right well we've talked about the negative teams let's talk about the two most positive teams who have you know who their max points would say, Hey, your team should be a lot worse than what it is. There's three mm-hmm. teams, four teams really at the top, you know, at the very top is Austin. Who's taken his, his garbage and turned it into, you know, diamonds. I don't know, whatever the uh-huh. saying is. Then you have Mike and Tommy, Tommy, good manager. I think Tommy's a good manager because he doesn't care about fantasy that much. I think he, (laughs) I don't know. I I do think most teams are better off not making many moves and not doing many roster changes. But but I also think, I don't know what he's, gosh, he's fourth right now in the actual standings. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Good manager. Good job, Tommy. I mean, you got to applaud Tommy this year because I think, I mean, when I got Tommy's first rounder in a trade, everybody was like, oh, man, that's a great draft asset. And now I'm like, I think it's just a middle draft asset. I mean, he's going to be a mid first rounder. That's respectable. His team looks even good for next year, too. Yeah, I think Tommy did a good job this season, especially looking at last season. I think he was doing really poorly last season. Um, And I think part of that, I think he had McCaffrey and McCaffrey was hurt for a period of time. So and I figured it out. Yep. I think all this sports gambling has gotten, you know, it's gotten Tommy <laughs> actually looking up and researching stuff. So he's gotten a lot better at fantasy because of it. Yeah. I think I remember last year at the trade deadline, I was literally on the phone with Tommy for like two hours, just trying to get him to not trade Travis Kelsey to Mike. That was mm-hmm. like the only thing I was doing. So we've really come a long way. <laughs> Um, from that to, I didn't even call, I didn't even text Tommy the week of the trade deadline. That's how much confidence I had in him this year. Great dynasty manager, Tommy, proud of you. All right. Well, I think before we get into our playoff predictions, I think we should bring in Mike. Enough teasers. Let's actually get him in here. I know. Yeah. I mean, everybody's been begging for him. Yeah. We can Can hear hear you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I hated that, uh, 
you held Tommy hostage last year. That was that was tough. Yeah, I mean, I had to because I made some horrible trades at the deadline, and if I would have lost last year, it would have really just made me feel awful. So That's how it goes. No regrets. Well, Mike, welcome to the pod. Glad to have you this week. You go, know, boilers. Go, go boilers. Go boilers. Yes, boilers by ninety. Um, Nearly. No, yeah. <laughs> I love it when we almost double the score. That that's one of my favorite things. Um, you know, we thought this week we'd just be talking teams. Mike, are you still there? Yeah, you just said talking teams. All right, Josh froze. Um, Mike, I don't know what Josh was getting into, but I would like to talk about the IR spot and everything that happened with you this past week. All right. Well, yeah, uh, go on. Do you have anything to say? Just to clarify for anybody who's trying to connect dots in the group me, um, I know everybody, almost everybody voted on it, but I had Michael Gallup come off of uh, the Cowboys IR sometime Saturday night. By that point, in Saturday, I knew that Zach Wilson would not be playing the following day on Sunday. I knew that he would be out based on their coach saying that he would literally be out. So, based on what the app allows you to do versus not do, I uh, I held on to Gallup in the IR spot until I knew Zach Wilson would be officially declared out. And then, uh, you know, I switched them up, but apparently that's a problem, even though about half the teams in the league have done that. Um, I, I knowing, think... Knowingly or unknowingly, it doesn't matter, but it, it's happened all year. And um, especially since we all knew for a fact that Wilson was going to be out, I had a problem with being forced to give up that roster spot for like an eight hour period where the app didn't actually consider him to be out. I think there's two reasons why you're a slimy fantasy manager involved with all this. Number one is that you are not moving a player off of IR when that player is healthy. And I don't, we all have to play by the app. So the timing of the app applies to all of us. If you have a healthy player, you got to move them off IR. What makes it even worse is if you're trying to pawn off another guy to trade to somebody else. Yes. That I do not like. That I think it's, I it's just I don't like it because you're gonna you know you're gonna try to trade Ingram for some draft picks, and then you don't have to drop anybody from your team to move that player off of IR who became healthy. Um, second reason, Wilson isn't. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Zach Wilson is not on IR, correct? That's just you misunderstanding how we've treated. <laughs> I'm IR not misunderstanding it. for like. I, no, no, I understand. You it. are. Son, you're misunderstanding. I understand that you can put players who are out for a week onto IR. I think it's a stupid rule because IR spots should be specifically for players who are out for an extended period of time so you don't have to, you know, so you can have time to pick up other players and get your stuff figured out because you know that player is going to be out for an extended period of time. But it would have been less worth if you actually were waiting for a player to be designated for IR to put on instead of just a player to be out for that week. I think that is – well, let's you not know, pick Mike, that bone you know with you're me. Doing. That's yeah. let's not pick that second bone with me. That's the entire league deciding that that's an okay thing to do. Um, I'll stick to the first one where you think I'm just a slimy manager. Well, as you saw, I started Mark Ingram, and he was kind of a big help. So, only reason I was trying to trade him is because I know that he has actual fantasy value for the rest of the season into the playoffs. Uh, for a lot of those teams that are looking to get the extra five points that might put them up a few places each week. As you'll see, he has a lot of value when he's in New Orleans. He gets production, whether he's the lead back or the secondary back to Kamara. Um, and with Kamara's injury uh, situation currently being a little up in the air, it's definitely a player I think people should have traded for. So that's the only reason I was trying to trade him because I knew he had actual value. Um, and I suspect I'll keep playing him now until I can guarantee that I'm uh, out of contention of Waffle House. So Yeah, you're um, going to keep playing him because your team's yeah. bad, Mike. 
so bad that they're ahead of yours. Um, but anyways, I, uh, I, I think that, uh, this is why we have the rules discussion, uh, set up for after the season to discuss nuances like this, that get churned up during the year. But, um, I'm currently just doing what everybody else is able to do in the app. And I think Brian put it really well that there should probably be a period of time following somebody um, being considered healthy for the week to get them off of uh, IR. Uh, Just imagine if one of us had a job that kept us, uh, you know, up overnight for some reason. And, um, you know, you're not able to check your phone, you go right to sleep and then, suddenly you're getting pestered by a thousand Sloan messages about taking a guy off of IR, but you haven't done it for eight hours. So, um, you know, I, I think you're getting a little too dramatic about it. Um, the fact that like several people suggested they have done this already this season, uh, intentionally or accidentally, we don't know, but, um, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Neither of the players would have been dropped. My third player I mean, in the discussion would not have been dropped since I started him and will continue to start him. So, um, yeah. I mean, Mike, let's be honest. You're checking your phone every, like, 30 seconds <laughs> on game day, non-game day. So this whole theoretical situation of a guy working an overnight shift. Yeah, none of those I think Brian's going to be the only guy working an overnight shift at the Waffle House. That's what I'm saying. overnight shift that will be happening. If, if half the people in the league have said they've done this and aren't on their phone all the time like I am, then, um, then I think you have to understand that it can happen to people who are always on their phone or people who are never on their phone. So. I th- Mike, Here's dude, my problem, hold on. Mike, you Here's are notorious no, no. of picking up players on waiver and immediately yes, putting them on the trade block. This I hate that so much. And then you're like, dude, he's going to add value. Like, you just picked him up off waivers. There's a reason he's on waivers. And then you're trying well, to yeah. get, See, trade yes. him away for okay. an intangible asset. For, so you don't for, context, for context, <laughs> Sloan, Sloan was mad at me for picking up Ingram and then trying to trade him. It's like he didn't have any value in Houston, though, and he suddenly is put into this situation where he's an actual relevant running back in fantasy world. So, um, I mean, that's why you pick people up is because a lot of the times they may suddenly become worth something. So I don't really understand that argument. We all know I've got a quick trigger when it comes to waivers, so it just happens to be me a lot of the times. But Put a kicker on that. The news of him not not – him not practicing had been out for two days. Everybody had the chance to pick up Mark Ingram. It was a, you are the you are quick on the waivers. I will say that, but this one was just like a, like who do you really want to drop for Mark Ingram? Was the real question everybody was asking themselves. When uh, Simeon is playing Crowder, quarterback, for sure. No, okay, listen. It's the middle of the NFL season. We hear about like. 30 players every week did not practice, but we all kind of assume they'll end up playing and they're just resting their higher used players. So that's all I assumed it was. And then suddenly it sounds like he's out. This is Kamara is out for the week. And so I picked up Ingram. Ingram was a good pickup. I mean, it was a good pickup. I think my problem with the situation is I think under the existing rules that we have, like, yes, we haven't caught the situation in the past, but we noticed it this time around. And under the existing rules, like, IR is only for players who are out and or on injured reserve. And that was not the case. Like, I think us not, like, us letting this slide in this time was actually changing the rules in the middle of the season because I do think our existing rules say, hey, a player can only be on IR if they are out or on injured reserve. Because you couldn't even move Zach Wilson to IR. Like, you couldn't move him. That was my thought. Uh, I will also say this. The app doesn't let you do pretty much any roster moves if you have an active player in IR. So, like, I couldn't change my lineup until I took Michael Gallup out of IR. Lucky for myself, I pay attention to this all the time, so I had my lineup already set. So I think that's just good team management. I think that's BS because then you have more (laughs) healthy players on your team than you should. 
and you're still having you still have a starting lineup that you have no problems with, and that means you're holding a player on your team that somebody else could pick up. I'll tell you what, it felt really good for that argument to go on Sunday morning, right up until the point where Zach Wilson was declared out. It was just like oh, the stars aligned. It pretty much shut all you down. I had the pull go my way as well, so. Uh, I was just hoping Austin would have checked his phone like 10 minutes before when he actually did because, like, I feel like he picked his phone up literally as soon as you posted the tweet of, like, Zach Wilson out. And that's when it <laughs> fell apart, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't have much to say. If you're this mad about a on-purpose situation, then you need to be – mad at an accidental situation because it's the same result according to Sloan. It's I don't care about cheating. the results. I care about the attempt. Somebody cheating you're, somebody you are such not a, being available. You're such a slimy <laughs> fantasy player like this, dude. You know you are. You always try to like... Uh, I'll start yeah. pointing it out more. I feel like Mike oh. in our league is always the guy offering low ball trades, uh-huh. always trying to sell the asset right before he drops him. Like yeah, let's paint <laughs> Mike as this. So let's paint like Mike as this Cook. guy in our league. I like this. I'm Can all we talk about, about it. Jared Cook, real quick. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's let's be honest here, Josh. You were offering T. Higgins in a second for about every top ten player in the league earlier this season. So uh, there's <laughs> there's some love to spread when we're calling people low ballers when it comes to trades. I might add, I have lost like <laughs> half my trades. Zach Wilson looks like the worst quarterback in the league already. And I traded what's likely a top three pick to him, uh, to Brian for him. So um, I like to think that I trade with convictions. And sometimes that works with uh, works in my favor. Other times it means I bought into a player who was actually shit. So <laughs> I think the measure of a bad trade is at the time of the trade, was it truly a bad trade? And we have had some of those in our league. We don't need to go down the path. Mike Thomas, James Robinson, we've both <laughs> been there on the end of like, whoa, this was bad when it happened. And, and keep trade cut, I feel like, is the ultimate problem with this. Most of the time, like, they lead to these kind of things because it's so impulsive. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, uh, I do understand your, uh, you being upset with me offering up players who are about to get cut. Um, but, you know, if anybody's willing to bite, give me a fourth rounder for zero value, I am more than willing to pick that up. And, you know, sometimes, I was texting you this earlier in the season, Josh, sometimes things change with the situation where suddenly a player is actually worth something um, or not worth something, and that can happen before or after I've put a player up on the trade block. So, um, I feel like for people who are hardly paying attention, it might look shady, but a lot of the times there's a little bump up or bump down in value of a player that makes it a, a smart move. So, yeah. All right. Time to Michael, talk team, Mike. Yeah, let's talk yeah. about your team, dude. All right. Uh, Before you I, start going into your players, what's your overall goal with your team? Win now or win later? Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I think I'm, I'm kind of like Brian plus a year. He's got all these uh, pick assets ready to go for this upcoming draft. And I'm probably going to be waiting in the wings for one more. Yes, I have a first rounder, but it's Collins. So I'm looking at like the ninth pick at best. Um, And so I, I think it's probably a year of accumulating just like decent rookies, but it's not going to be players that end up like moving the needle for me. So, um, you, you I've told several six, people. Yeah, go ahead. I, I've, yeah, I've told several people that I think next year is, I don't see how I don't finish last. You have all, you have all the existing teams kind of in the middle of the pack that have, you know, like true starter, starting caliber fantasy players. You're going to have Brian pick up some studs, I assume, as long as he somehow doesn't miss on all 17 of his first round picks. So, I think that's going to leave me with like some of these promising young guys, a wasted year of Pat Mahomes, and then hopefully the first pick for uh, the draft in 2023. Yeah, you have 16 picks over the next two seasons. 
there's only four rounds. That's double what you would normally have. That's insane. Yeah, yeah I mean. A bit excessive, I, some would say. Yeah, I think you got to move some of those seconds to, to get to a first rounder, Mike. Are you Do you have interest in doing that at all, or are you a I, big fan of the second round? I could. Um, I mean, I think I have droppable guys on my team after the year ends, as good as Mark Ingram is in this current year, um, and I'll preach that over and over again. But he's probably going to be dropped by me at the end of the year, and then you have uh, a few of the young wide receivers on my bench that I – not totally bought into so um if i get the right guy in the draft maybe i drop one of them and uh don't have to consolidate picks so we'll see um but yeah i i like to think i'm brian plus one so uh, if he does well next year that'll make me feel good about my strategy that it can kind of work like as soon as you have picked your guys so I think you're overvaluing draft picks, and I know there's other guys in the league who would agree with me. Hey, well, I probably that's, have no that, picks. That, <laughs> yeah. That'll make the league fun is if people like Brian and I totally buy into the idea of a lot of draft picks, and then if that's just the worst strategy ever, it'll create a lot of imbalance and volatility, and um, I guess you can point and laugh at us for a few years as we try to get it together. You know, Mike, I can say I'm glad that you and Brian are the two that are tanking this year, most likely next year, because I have no doubt in your commitment to the league long term. And I think with a lot of teams, if they were this bad, you know, you have a lot of picks, which is good, but you have to be a good manager if you're going to have a lot of picks. That's like a you're taking on responsibility by having more picks rather than good players at the moment. You're going to have to drop six players. We're going to expand well, no, rosters. We're, yeah, we're, we're going to expand rosters. But, yeah, no, I I think, like, I need to make sure I'm watching plenty of college football to make sure I actually know the guys I'm drafting and not just choosing whatever Twitter thinks is the best uh, guy for whatever area in the draft I'm in. But it's a risk worth taking. So you want me to run through my roster really quick? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, do it. Well, uh, the QB situation is pretty much a collection of guys plus Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes is in his own league, but give uh, give me a like three word phrase for each of your players. Oh man, Uh, Pat Mahomes. I would just call. Okay, I won't do that. Three words or less. I'm wasting a couple years of. Peak Pat Mahomes, probably. Waste, Pat Mahomes, waste. That's what I'm hearing. For sure. (laughs) And then then you have uh, my bench and rookie quarterbacks where I'm kind of just banking on one of them hitting as a top 10 QB. Then hopefully one of them hitting is just like a good QB two. And then I have to be realistic and assume that, you know, probably two of them are going to be not starting within the next three years. So, um, I'm trying to be realistic, but I cast a wide net and hoping to catch one or two big fish there. Um, and then my wide receiver room, it's kind of interesting. It's like, um, you know, relatively young to middle-aged guys for the NFL. I feel like a lot of them currently are better name value than actual production value. Yes. Just based on kind of the stats you're seeing, but they are pretty well-known names, uh, especially probably in like redraft leagues. Uh, and then I feel like it's the opposite for my running back room names that aren't as widely known, but the production's actually been decent for each of them for the most part. So um, it could be that they're undervalued or they are just having good one-off seasons and they'll be worse next year, but um, hopefully I can find a balance where my receivers start producing, but my running backs kind of maintain the production they've been giving overall though. I mean, there's not much to read into since they won't be doing anything major for me until two years from now. So um, you're so deep in the fantasy football. I love it. Well, I mean, you saw me trade away pretty much any running back over at or over like 24, just with the idea that 
by the time I'm actually a good fantasy football team, they will probably be, you know, on the tail end of their uh, powers as a fantasy player. So just trying to line up the time horizon there. Uh, I'm proud of my tight end room. The tight end room. I'm really good at, I think I'm really good at spotting tight ends to pick up on waivers. I think that's been my strongest area. Uh, Sloan's face right now is just like, what the hell do you mean? Sloan knows who none of your tight ends are. I'm I'm willing to guess he doesn't. (laughs) I can remember Fant from the draft. I know I wanted to get him, but I see I see D Arnold, which just makes me think of Darnold. (laughs) (laughs) Ironically, he's he's better than Darnold at this point. No, so I mean. I, I drafted Waller probably right around where you'd expect him to get drafted in a startup. Uh, I won't really count that since I traded him away. He's not really been my player at all this season. Uh, Noah Fant, I mean, honestly, just kind of hoping there's a better quarterback in the future, but he's really athletic. He's young. Um, he fell pretty far in our startup draft, so I felt like I got him in a good spot. Um, then kind of looking at some of the guys I've picked up on waivers – uh, I had Dalton Schultz earlier in the season, flipped him for a second. Um, Brian second. I think we've all that's huge. That's like yeah. a first. That's a first. Um, keep trade guy, that's a late first. Yeah, it's pretty much doubling Collins' first round pick for me. Um, but, you know, I, I was surprised that I was able to get him when I did because it was just kind of on his up and up, and he had some moments last year, so I, I thought maybe the name – uh, familiar, familiarity with people might lead him to getting picked up, but um, I mean, he's a good player. I'd still like him on my team uh, if I wasn't able to find a trade partner. He's, um, you know, the number one tight end in Dallas, and that's a great offense. So then Dan Arnold, yeah, I don't know if you know anything about him, Sloan, but pretty much since he got traded to uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, he's been one of the leaders in targets for Trevor Lawrence. Um, and you know, he's pretty much – I mean, I think he can be the starter there for multiple years uh, while they focus on upgrading their wide receiver position. And um, I think the trade from Carolina helped him a lot. And uh, I bet he's a top 12 tight end by the end of the year if he keeps up kind of this average um, that he's maintaining. And then uh, Cole Komet, yeah, he kind of sucks. I'm not going to lie. that <laughs> That's just one where you hope Matt Nagy isn't the coach in Chicago uh, like in the future. Nice. I think it's a good – I think your tight end room, I bet two of them end up being – you can get, you know, a, a first for him in the long run. I least. love that you have four tight ends. Yeah, I mean, um, Justin Fields uses tight ends pretty well in college, and so I was just trying to connect the dots there. Um, Komet was really good in college. He's young still, so – that's just kind of a dart throw. And then, yeah, I traded um, Matt for Fryer moves. I can't remember what I gave him. And Tim Patrick in the third. Yeah, I mean, Tim Patrick had value at the time. He was yeah. uh, filling in for Judy when Judy was out for like the first, like 40% of the season. So, um, and I mean, obviously, Josh, you think he has value since, since you're rostering him. So, uh, yeah, Fryer I mean, people kind of underrated him this year because Kyle Pitts got all the publicity, but um, Fryermuth was definitely the second best tight end by far in the draft. And I mean, whether it's Big Ben or somebody else next year, both of those types of QBs, whether it's a rookie or Big Ben, are going to be throwing short. And that's where a tight end typically lives. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of paying off for me, but if it's Mason Rudolph, maybe not so much. So it's hit and miss, but, uh, and then, yeah, I mean, kickers and defense are probably gone, so no need to worry about them, but yeah, I, well, I'll say one more thing. My wide receivers on my bench, like I need one of them to end up doing well soon or else it's going to feel so dumb having to hold on to them. You have like Terrace Marshall, Brian Edwards, those guys got a lot of hype in the offseason, but really haven't done anything notable. You had Henry Ruggs go out, and I know Edwards had a good game against the Chiefs, but it's the Chiefs' defense, so I'm not trying to put too much stock into that. So, Yeah. I like the rundown, Mike. I think, 
you know, I probably love your team more than Sloan does because I'm sure Sloan maybe knows like 50% of the people on your team. That's true. Not in an offensive way, but just you're not a big young player guy. You like the proven names. Your team mm-hmm. shows it. Um, but yeah, I think you have a good team, Mike. I like your team in 2024, 2025. And I love that we already have a team after a snake draft that's already like, I'm going to win in 2024, 2025. So that's what I love the most. Yeah, I'm doing everybody else a favor. Kind of a guaranteed team that won't compete with them for the playoffs. So thank me later. Will do. Well, great. Sloan, any other questions for Mike on his team? Any other thoughts before he leaves us and we wrap things up? I think I think I got nothing. I think that was good. Awesome. Well, thanks, Mike. Sweet. Appreciate you coming on, defending your sliminess. Thanks for having me. It's always good to hear. Thanks for having me. Long-time listener, first-time caller. So. <laughs> <laughs> See All ya. Right. See you, Mike. See ya. All right. Thanks to Mike for joining us this week. Sloan, we got playoff power rankings from Matt. We've been going on for a while at this point. Pod stretching. I'd love to hear a few thoughts from you on Matt's power rankings before we wrap up today. Hit me. Um, I'll be honest with you. I think his top four are the top four who will make the playoffs. I don't think Tommy will. Josh, I think you'll end up getting at least the four seed. Um. And outside of that, outside of that, I think it's pretty, pretty accurate. I'm really surprised with how humble he's being, putting himself at ninth. Uh, but you know, good job by him, honestly. Yeah, I like the power rankings too. I think they're pretty accurate. The only team I think I, if he's underselling a little bit, is Dylan's team. I mean, I think we did it. We did a disservice to everybody else by not doing the, by the first week of the playoffs being a bye week. Mm-hmm. because the Colts have a bye in week 14. So Dylan's got to play this whole year with Wentz and Pittman as like never having to worry about sitting then. I've had some bye issues. I think everybody has had some bye issues. So not having to deal with that is a pretty you know, significant thing. I've got some bye weeks coming up that I know will be impacting my team. But yeah, I think if I had to guess, I think Dylan's team has a good shot of making it if Marquise Brown – and, you know, Pittman continue playing the way they are. I think he's got a pretty solid team. But I like the rankings. I think they're good. I loved his scenario build out of how Colin misses the playoffs. That was my favorite part. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think he does a good job, and he puts a lot of work into this. And I think it's a, it adds a lot of value to the league. Definitely agree. I'd, uh, I'd love to see Matt finish – Above Mike, though, I think that would be tough for him if he finished below Mike. I agree, yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Any other thoughts, Len, before we wrap? Are you good? I'm sure you're ready to get to bed. You got to get up early, carpool to work. Yeah, Mike just went on and on. So I think think the listeners are ready for this (laughs) to be over with. So I'm, I'm all good, brother. Okay, sounds good. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next week. See ya.